This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. We break down the world of finance and investing from beginning to dividend so that it's more accessible for you. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity mate, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode where we take a deep dive into a particular industry, an industry that a lot of people are interested in, yes. uh, the video game industry. Yeah. But before we get there, that new intro. <laughs> <laughs> new intro, new intro. Look, we had some feedback that I kept saying 45 minutes or less in our introduction, and... Very rarely did we have any episodes under 45 minutes, so it was a bit misleading. I thought, hey, having the quality of content that we do and (laughs) quality assurance, (laughs) I thought, uh, look, change it up. What what are your thoughts? I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It doesn't roll off the tongue quite as easily, but hey, you've done 295 episodes one way. It's going to be a learning curve to get it down. I know. Well, look, we'll work with it. Looking for feedback and speaking of feedback and also speaking of video game industry deep dive, Ren, one of the biggest things that we are trying to do over the next period of time here on Equity Mates is involve all of you guys, the community out there and get you on the show as much as possible to share your journey, share your stories, share the industries that you're passionate about. So we will be reaching out at various times to see if anyone is willing to come on and share their experience. And uh, for the first time today, we have one of our listeners, uh, one of our community members, Oliver Powell, joining us online to take us through the video game industry deep dive, which is a, a world first for equity mates. Oliver, yeah, it is. welcome to the show. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. So before we get stuck into the video games, what do you think of my new opener? <laughs> I like it. I think you've been saying 45 minutes or less, but I want to be fact-checked on this. I'm pretty sure the first episode, or maybe the second episode, was over 45 minutes. I'm thinking it's pretty much a good time to change, (laughs) considering even the second episode (laughs) breached Uh, it. Oliver, can you get off my back? (laughs) I like this, Ollie. You've come in strong. I like it. I like it. No, No, you're right. I like it. Equity mate. Yeah, yeah, so I did change from equity buddy, if you realise they're in, to equity mate. True, true. Bit of chat online as to how do you go from being an equity mate to an equity buddy and there's no discrimination in this group. It's equity mate all the way. You just stripped my title. <laughs> I stripped your title. <laughs> and to your point, Ollie, I think that, um, to be honest, there were moments where we were trying to do 15-minute episodes. Yeah, so it was 15 that, minutes or yeah. less. <laughs> that one didn't last that, that did, long. No. <laughs> but anyway, look, we are here to do a deep dive over the last number of years. Alec and I have done deep dives on a number of industries and it's awesome that you have put your hand up to come in and help us do a bit of a deep dive into the video games industry. And I think to your credit, you've actually done all of the research and I guess notes for this episode. So a massive thank you for doing that. Looking forward to getting stuck in. It is open to any other listeners as well, if they want to follow in Ollie's footsteps and suggest an industry that they're keen to do a deep dive on. 100%. I mean, we're not experts in any of these industries. You know, we do the research and then prepare a deep dive episode. So you know, if you don't have to work in the industry, you don't have to be an expert. If you're interested in an industry and you want to come on, 
and talk about it. Open door policy. Open door yeah. policy. <laughs> One last thing, Ren, before we hand over to Ollie to run the whole show while we go and have a beer. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Do you want to quickly give us a rundown on the ETF competition? Yeah, yeah. So due to the demand of you know people who wanted to enter, we extended the deadline. So you now have until today, Monday the 12th of October, to put your entries in to our Build an ETF competition. If you've got an idea of an ATF that you think should be in the market, you know, an index that should be tracked or an industry that should be tracked or whatever it is, a theme, whatever, submit it via our website and go in the running for a chance to win $1,000. Straight out of Ren's back pocket. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then once you've entered or if you don't want to enter but you want to hear the results and hear some of our favorite ideas, Monday the 19th of October, we'll be releasing a bonus episode on the Get Started Investing feed talking about our favorite ideas and announcing a winner. Stay subscribed to that feed because later in the day, we're going to be releasing our three-part everything ETF series done in conjunction with BetaShares. Yeah, so ETFs for beginners. The Get Started Investing feed is going to be very active on Monday the 19th of October and you don't want to miss it. No. So uh, make sure you go and subscribe to that feed now before you forget. Nice one. So if you want that thousand bucks, you've entered the competition, you must be listening because we'll be putting a code word in there. That if you, <laughs> That's not bad. If I you don't, don't know that. the code word, code word, you can't claim your money. Now, uh, Ollie, we've got you on the line. So I've got to ask, have you entered the competition? I have. And I'm actually thinking after we finish this, I've got another idea from the notes. So okay. I might be oh, okay. Nice. 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 There you go. Yeah. If you want to try and beat Ollie's We'll keep it secret idea. Make sure you go and... It's going to be pretty obvious. Video game easier. Yeah. True, true, true. <laughs> so the link is equitymates.com slash ETF dash competition. Yep. But Bryce hates that I read hyperlinks out on the podcast. So just go to our website or our social media and you'll be able to find the link there. Nice. So enough chit chat, enough of the housekeeping. Let's get stuck into it. As we said, we've got Ollie on the phone. Before we jump in, how about give the Equimates community a bit of a background into what you're doing, what you're interested in, how you came to find Equimates, all that sort of jazz, and then we'll get stuck into all things video games industry. Easy. So I'm a fourth year law and finance student. Um, I've been interested in finance for quite a while and mainly the equity markets, obviously, hence the, the connection there. And I started my investing sort of journey at a pretty young age, I've been annoying one of my current brokers since about when I was in grade six. Wow. Um, I protested with him to have me in at Morgan's. If anyone knows Morgan's, it's a financial services company. It's a, one of the larger ones. And just to have me there, I wanted to look around and, and to help out. For a, a weekend, I didn't actually know how markets worked. Though they were Monday to Friday. I thought they were just all the time. <laughs> so he basically, he just showed me some screens and a Bloomberg terminal and I was pretty happy. And then he threw me in a corner and I watched for a bit. And then at the end of the day, I was 11 years old. So I was booted out for not providing them too much value, um, but definitely <laughs> spurred my interest finance and to anything equity related. And that's sort of where we tie into about 2017. I pretty much just started my business degree. It was about a, two years in there. And I just want to expand some of my knowledge about stocks and things like that. So I just Googled best finance podcasts and boom, there you guys were. Okay. Um, you that, came up in the That's good SEO right list. there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's outdated though. It's like, it's been a while. It's been about 2017, but you you were, I think you were in like, it was in a top 10 list. And I think there was like two ones that no longer exist. And then you guys, so you've knocked out the competition. There you no, go. That's Staying the power, yeah. Um, that's the plan. Funnily enough, it was Andrew Brown. It was straight after his, um, you, he did like a two-part series with him. Yeah, um, yeah. It was one of your first episodes. Shocking audio so quality. Shocking but... audio quality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty fitting coming full circle because he was the he was a guest on the Friday's episode. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Just got released. Quite nice. Yeah. 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 Where are you studying? Uh, QUT. Nice. So Queenslander. <laughs> awesome. It is great to have you. And as we said, thank you so much for, I guess, putting in the effort to get these notes together and do the research. It's, it's awesome. So how about we start from the beginning? Just before we get started, we've got Ollie's notes here and we will publish this on the website alongside this episode. So on Monday, as we're talking through all this, if they want to read along or they want to go back and get further into the data because I don't think we're going to be able to cover everything that you've written. People can jump online and, and read it and see in more detail the work that Ollie's done <laughs> with mm. this. 
So, Ollie, why the video game industry? Let's start there. What What is it about the industry that caught your attention? How did you come across it and want to sort of jump into a, a deep dive into it? One of my mates, he's a, a Twitch streamer, amongst other things. And he sent me a message and said, hey, have you heard of this new ETF called ESPO? And they, he goes, it's about video games. And that was pretty much the depth of what he said. But I've been playing video games from a young age my all my friends have i know a bunch of people have been playing there's a massive market for it and i've seen a bit of discussion of that etf in particular in the facebook group mm -hmm. so i just sort of it sort of just caught my eye as something well everyone says it's a growing industry but i haven't seen anyone sort of say why and to sort of get into some numbers and where it's growing where it's not what's the the main drivers so i was spurred on initially by curiosity to see where is this money coming from like why is it a growth market and, and how can i get in on that mm. so it was really just curiosity that got me into that one initially nice i love even that though you know you you look around it's it's an industry that you use and it's an industry where your mate i assume is making a bit of money from the the twitch streaming and like that yeah. in itself is just using what's around you that very much peter lynch style of investing of using what you know and what you use as the basis of your investing research so it makes a lot of sense that you know if you see your mates making money from it if you use it and you like it it's a good industry to go deep on mm. so yeah. how about you hit us with some stats i guess how big is the industry how's it been growing i guess what are some of the big games that are in the industry run us through it so the digital games industry is 120 billion dollars worldwide as of last year so it's it's not massive massive but it's it's fairly big, mm. like it's not a small industry. And surprisingly, and this, this actually really got me, was that 53%, which is $64 billion, is from mobile games. Yeah, that is surprising. And I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought it would be more consoles and PlayStations and um, like PCs and things like that. Mm. But no, it's it's mostly mobile games. And about $30 billion is in personal computers, so PCs. With the big amount of money coming from there is in free-to-play games. So a big shift in these games going from being paid to play them versus just free to play. Anyone can play them and they make their money off microtransactions within the game. Um, and that's quite interesting to me because I had a, a friend in high school that spent, would have been in the high hundreds or low thousands on League of Legends, which is anyone knows it's free to play, but you can buy cosmetic skins, geez. which don't do anything for the game. <laughs> but I was just thinking, man, if, if someone wants to spend that much money on a cosmetic skin, or a bunch of them, like that's an industry that I want to be behind because that's not driven by logic. <laughs> no, um, and no, so no. <laughs> I'm definitely into that. <laughs> so, and then 15.4 from gaming consoles, 15.4 billion from like your PlayStations and Xboxes. And then viewing video games had about 5% of revenue, which is $6.5 billion. And that's things like esports. And then another 6.3 or 5% is in, um, extra reality it's a bucket term for virtual reality augmented reality and mixed reality and that's just things like your oculus rifts and your um, virtual reality goggles and things mm, like that mm. i think even if we just pause there like that in itself surprises me that as you said the console part of the industry is the smallest part and mobile games are the biggest part mobile games are they're mainly microtransactions as well aren't they when like you know people buy more lives yeah. on candy crush and stuff like that exactly and actually candy crush surprisingly i've even thought about candy crush for the last couple of years and mm. it's still one of the top two largest games on the mobile that making the most money brent's got it on his Brian, phone we've become too predictable <laughs> i was gonna say what's number one which really surprised me and I don't know if you guys will pick it. Do you want to have a go at what you think the number one mobile game is? Angry Birds. That's not bad. Tanks. No. Worms. Well, Clash of Clans. Are we uh, close? No, it's Pokemon Go. Oh, Still. really? Still. Still. That, that had As a big August moment. 2020. Wow. When That was it's like 20... Users it was 2016 now. or something when it was massive, wasn't it? Was that... It was 2016, they had a, a massive takeoff because everyone sort of went on the hype train of it. And recently, their revenue has been the same in August that it was in 2016. It's had a massive resurgence with no one knowing. You would think if there was one game that couldn't do well during COVID when everyone was locked down, it would be Pokemon Go where yeah. you have to walk around and like catch stuff in nature. Like, I'm surprised by that. Yeah, I'm very surprised. I actually had to double check that a couple of times and it checked out on a couple of different sources and i thought wow okay 
Well, you know. That's it. Well, that's why we do these deep dives. So, Ollie, it's a $120 billion industry. I imagine that, you know, looking at it, you're thinking esports and extra reality. Whilst they're small at the moment, I would imagine they're probably some of the faster growing and will take up a, a large portion in years to come. What is the growth of the overall industry at the moment and sort of what's been driving that? Yeah, so from 2018 to 2019, the growth was only 4% for the industry as a whole. And it was actually expected to decline from 2018 to 2019. I'm not 100% sure why, but I think it was something to do with a lot of AAA titles. So the big games like your Call of Duties and that not coming through. But the as you bring up the the extra reality part of it actually grew into twenty nineteen by twenty six percent. So that industry growth was mainly spurred on by extra reality, and that was due to new headsets coming out and a general rise of this technology being used outside of the gaming sphere. So for things like Walmart started using VR to train new employees. So they said that they could take tasks which took about thirty to forty minutes to train people, and they could do it in three to five minutes on a VR module. God, they're good. Yeah, Walmart's <laughs> yeah. Doing, doing wonders with tech. Do a deep dive on Walmart. <laughs> yeah. So, Ollie, Ollie, maybe before we go too deep on extended reality, maybe if you can just define some of those terms, VR, AR, and maybe just describe them a little for people who aren't too familiar with them. Yeah, sure. So I think augmented reality or AR is the easiest to think about. That is, if you've ever played, well, Pokemon Go is actually a good one, or when you've got the hot dog on Snapchat, that little thing dancing around, how it's in your room or wherever you're looking with your camera, but it's moving for you or it's in reality, like you, you can see it through the screen, that's augmented reality. Virtual reality is those goggles that you put on and it's like the screen and you, you basically, you're in a first person, you can move your head and the, the camera moves and things like that. And there's a lot of games that use that technology to sort of get you involved, um, to really immerse you. And mixed reality, I think it's a blend of the two. I'm not 100% sure what mixed reality really means. It's kind of one of those terms that each analyst defines everything a bit differently. But I think it's just like a whatever doesn't get covered in those two buckets. So then if we use that Walmart example, so rather than, you know, having a training room in the back of their store or something where they're, you know, teaching in front of a whiteboard or something, they're getting virtual reality goggles and putting them on their new employees and basically training them through a video game but it feels like it's a you know first person for them yeah so they can interact with their surroundings i think when i was reading the report they were saying things like they usually have to get people normally train them on like they get them in a cherry picker or something to go up to the top and pick something off they've got to set that up they've got all the safety requirements they've got to strap them in they've got to have marshals standing around to enforce different safety precautions with the vr goggles you just slap them on and just do it I guess you can just have the experience of going up without having all that in place. Yeah. Wow. That's where that time saving really comes in. And they said in 2019 that they could train a million staff in 4,000 stores using that. Wow. Wow. I wonder what the experience would be like falling off a cherry picker in virtual reality. It's like <laughs> a dream. You wake up just you wake up just before you hit the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's cool. So I guess if Walmart are doing it, is the expectation that more and more companies will be following in their footsteps? Yeah. So American Airlines also does it, and that's getting them inside of before any flight attendant ever steps foot in a plane. They're trained on VR to help new crew members familiarize themselves with the safety procedures. So that they're not, you know, learning inside of a plane, they can get more people training outside and keep those planes in the air. I mean, it's not really that relevant now with COVID because all the planes are on the ground anyway. So you might want to get some use out of them. But market data sort of suggests that 71% of virtual reality sales in the goggles will be used for training purposes. So it's definitely steering upwards. Wow. So it's a bigger part of the virtual reality use case than gaming itself is this like corporate training. Yeah, exactly. And that was really interesting for me, not wanting to give away too many of my ideas for this um, <laughs> competition, but having an augmented or an extended reality ETF that tracks that growth is something that I might be submitting a bit later. So we'll get into companies later. We won't go too far down the VR and extended reality rabbit hole at the moment. So yeah. I guess if we go back to the industry as a whole, so billion industry. It grew at 4% last year. The biggest category is mobile, then PCs, then gaming consoles, and then esports and extended reality. 
Is there anything else that we should know in terms of setting the scene and giving the background for the industry? You've got to hear that most of the revenue is coming from free-to-play and Fortnite is your top highest grossing game of 2019 for the second year in a row. And that generated $1.8 billion and it's free-to-play. Oh, it's really? Like, so that it's yeah. all microtransactions yeah, that so you don't, they make money from? Yeah, I, I'm not sure about consoles, but I'm fairly sure you don't pay to, to download Fortnite. I've never really been into it too much, but I'm quite certain you, there's V-Bucks, in, which is their in-game currency. So you pay in your whatever your currency is for V-Bucks, and then you can use that to buy skins. I believe that's how it works. And that makes sense because 80% of all digital game revenue in 2019 came from free-to-play free games and in microtransactions. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really setting the scene for, for any sort of company you think about would be in that free-to-play space. I remember for our afternoon beer discussions on YouTube, we spoke about the world's most hated company, which was Electronic Arts. They've been voted, yeah. you know, the most hated company a number of years in a row. But one year it was because of their loot boxes, which are a form of microtransaction. So it feels like... They were probably early movers to, to this sort of revenue model and they got a lot of hate at the time. But given it now seems to be the majority of revenue in the gaming industry, it feels like they may have been early and they copped a lot of hate for it. But now it's probably yeah. more widely accepted. Oh, it's definitely widely accepted. Like if you go to Counter-Strike, it's skins that you pay the money for. You get like a loot box. It used to be $2. Now it's something like 3 or 4 and you pay for a key, which is $2 or something like that. And you open up a loot box and you can get a skin. And there's a it's like on a roulette table. You're rolling the dice and really getting a random skin out of it. And that's that's where they make most of their money is the game's pretty much free, but you pay to buy skins and loot boxes and things like that. Got a bit of hate, but they seem to be around for the long haul, like which is good, I guess, for these companies that have adopted loot boxes and adopted cosmetic items without being absolutely destroyed in the public sphere. So Ollie, that's a good summary of the industry. Equity mates, we're going to pause here for a quick ad break and then we're going to get stuck into how COVID has impacted the industry and some ways to invest in it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So, Ollie, we've covered the background of the industry and 2020 has obviously disrupted every industry across the world, but I imagine gaming has been particularly affected. A lot more people spending a lot more time inside and in front of screens. So, how has COVID impacted the video game industry? COVID, it sounds bad, but COVID has been one of the best things to happen for the video <laughs> game industry in a while. Um, so from January to August this year, the industry was up $10.8 billion from the same time last year. So from August 2019 to August 2020, console earnings were up 88%. Wow. Uh, PC revenue was up 15% and mobile games were up 3%. So revenue really just took off in March as COVID happened and every area just experienced growth for the first eight months. Digital gains were up 13% relative in 2019 to $82.8 billion. Wow. So it's one of those things that was like COVID locked everyone inside. What else do you do? Well, you've watched every single thing on Netflix. Well, <laughs> you, crack out the, you crack out the new COD or something like that. Well, speaking of new COD, what are some of the big games that were driving this growth or that have seen some phenomenal sort of stats over the last, well, over the COVID period? Worldwide, the top ranked games for each area. So mobile was Pokemon Go, which we've talked about is extremely surprising. And 
it generated about 25% more revenue than its previous peak in 2016, August. So wow. that was that was when it properly peaked. And that's an augmented reality um, and falls into the XR or the extended reality revenue stream. For console, it was Call of Duty Modern Warfare. No real surprises there. It's, mm. you know, one of the biggest games happening at the moment. Um, and PC, it was Fall Guys. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Fall Guys. Never I haven't heard of, heard of it. A, no, so it's a, um, it's a party game. Had the highest launch of any PC title since Overwatch in May of 2016 for, with $185 million. And it has 8.2 million paid players for the PC version and generates pretty large viewership on Twitch, peaking around 709,000 viewers for the month of people watching people play Fall Guys. Wow. So it's basically just a party game where you you got to get to the other side and well, like uh, through an obstacle course sort of thing. It's a bit difficult to explain how it works, but it's a quite a popular game now. Wow. I'm keen to talk about Twitch a little bit later because I think it's a fascinating phenomenon that a lot of people who aren't, you know, really interested in video games or playing a lot of video games may not be familiar with just how many people are watching other people play. Why but, don't we talk about it right now? Well, uh, just before <laughs> we get there, Ollie's given us a list of the top 10 grossing titles for, for each of these categories, console, yep. PC and mobile. And what really strikes me is that there are obviously some new games in there. You know, Ollie, you were just talking about Fall Guys being the number one for PC. But there's a lot of games in there that aren't actually that new. Like Grand Theft Auto V is number four for consoles. And it was released, what, five years ago, six years ago now? Yeah, yeah. quite a while ago. It, it it's seems still up there. Like, yeah, some of these games have pretty incredible staying power. Mm. Well, if you have a look at number eight on the PC, that's Counter-Strike Global Offensive. That was released, I don't even know. Like, I've been playing that since I was in grade nine. Jeez. Wow, wow. They must 21, be good games. So yeah. Like, all this, yeah oh, the, I loved it. Yeah. The, the difference between a good quality game and, and the mid-range is maybe so vast as well. that. Yeah, well, for me, it just ex it, it explains why the industry moved to microtransactions because these games, if you were just paying for the title when you bought it and that, that was that, they, these games just couldn't be that high. But the fact that, you know, they've got this recurring revenue stream through microtransactions gives them incredible staying power. True. True. They just keep keep on plugging yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. They're not forced to bring out a new title. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, AAA games, like your Call of Duties and your FIFAs, they come out with new titles pretty much year on year, and that's how they make their money. But League of Legends has been around for many, many, many years, and so is Counter-Strike. It's a bit sticky, the game. If you think about sort of like sticky industries and like software as a service, how when a business has, was it, it was Salesforce, what you guys are talking about, yeah, that was yeah. quite sticky. With the video games, people have invested so much money and time into these games that they don't want to move to a new title because they've got hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of cosmetic items in the game that mean nothing True. if they change yeah, the game. Yeah, and yeah. hours. So they're not going to move. Their life has been sunk yeah, exactly. into it. <laughs> oh, look, I, I feel like I'm going to incriminate myself here a bit, but let's just say that my hours in Counter-Strike are above 2,000 Wow. <laughs> well, one of our mates during his year 12 exams ended up finishing World of Warcraft at the end of school, having played the equivalent of 365 days worth of World of Warcraft. Wait. He was playing impressive. like nine, nine, or, nine or 10 hours a day during the HSC. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, anyway, yeah. technically classified as an expert. But anyway, let's move on. Um, <laughs> one of the components or the breakdown of revenue that you spoke about, Ollie, was the viewing video games, which I found interesting that kind of fit within this whole industry, but it makes sense. So, and to Ren's point, that is predominantly, I would imagine, Twitch. And I guess there's some YouTube going on as well. But do you want to sort of run us through this component of the industry? What's going on? What are the trends? Yeah, sure. So in 2019, 944 million people watched worldwide on Twitch alone. Wow. Um, wait, 944 million? 44 million. That's like an yeah, eighth views. of the world's population. It's pretty impressive. And that's just watching people play video games. Obviously, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if those stats take into account things like, oh, if someone has like three, like a computer, a laptop and a you know, an iPhone, yeah, yeah, they watch, yeah. does that mean three different views? But viewing a video game content can be done on a heap of different platforms. As you mentioned, there's Twitch and YouTube. So Google owns YouTube and Amazon owns Twitch. I did not know um, Amazon owned Twitch. Neither before I That's read this. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Just Amazon, they're Jeez. everywhere. <laughs> God damn I know. You thought you could get away with them with video games, but no, they're right there. What is it that Twitch does that YouTube haven't been able to do? 
It's just the streamers. Microsoft tried to get in there as well, and they opened up Mixer. And that was a platform, and they tried to take the streamers. So that's your big asset, is your streamers. They're the people that people stick around and watch. Mm. So people like Ninja and Shroud, those two were targeted by Mixer. I I actually know Ninja because (laughs) I'm a Detroit Lions fan in the NFL, and Ninja's like the number one ticket holder, and they always cut to him at games and stuff like that. He's a gamer. He's a gamer, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm familiar with him. (laughs) Why couldn't YouTube, because they do stream as well. I wonder why Twitch Twitch got the head start. I think it's first movers advantage as well. Arguably, YouTube was more the videos and, you know, watching a full video and the content like that. And Twitch was always set up as a live streams. And in the industry and in like in the video games themselves, you always hear people talking about Twitch streamers. Everyone's like everyone wants to watch people on Twitch. Now, Twitch has signed back some of these streamers on exclusive contracts so they can only stream on Twitch. So if you want their content, you have to go to Twitch, Um, which makes sense why they're taking in most of that 6.5 billion in revenue being about 23%. And that's an interesting, actually, it says it generated about 1.54 billion in streaming Twitch, but ad revenue only made up 8% of that. Wow. Like do people pay to watch streams? Where's the other revenue coming from? So I'm not hundred percent sure exactly where, but my suspicion is that it would be paid because paid subscriptions are a thing on Twitch. You pay to subscribe to a channel and there's three, there's sometimes three, different tiers of subscribers. So you've got your first tier and it's about $5 a month. So it's a reoccurring, it's a subscription thing. Then it's about, I think they they I think they will vary between the amounts, but sometimes you can get up to about $100 a month for wow. different streamers. And Jeez, we Twitch should takes... be playing video games. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Equity mates video games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where they're earning it mostly. Yeah, right. So it'd be good to kind of start jumping into some of the companies. But before we do, it's worth, I guess, chatting about what is to come with this industry. You've sort of spoken about the growth to date, where the revenue is coming from. But are you able to sort of shed any light on what we're going to be seeing in this space over the next few years? Yeah, so there's been this shift. So just like Netflix revolutionized streaming of movies by saying that you pay a subscription fee and you can have access to a bunch of different movies. Video games, they're trying to change into that. They're trying to say that you pay a subscription fee and you have access to these games. And then you can play them whenever you want and you get the latest and you can get new games as they come out. More of a subscription-based model rather than you know microtransactions. So Google's got, I don't know how to say this, I think it's Stadia and xbox game pass there's some new services that give gamers access to popular on-demand titles on launch day so when they launch you get access to them because that's one thing is everyone wants to play the newest game and it's when it's hyped up you want to you know get access to it so in 2019 that revenue was at 784 million and it's estimated in 2020 to be about 1.15 billion so that's about a 47 percent increase from last year to this year just on subscriptions so that's where the revenue will be coming from in the future and there's a bunch of new like a bunch of all the gaming companies and all the different manufacturers of consoles have been getting in on this saying that you pay a subscription fee so playstation and xbox have about a ten dollar a month service where it's prerequisite to actually have to play online but you can get access to some titles and, and things like that and nintendo's jumping in there and obviously Amazon is as well calling it Prime Gaming. So if you have access to um, Amazon Prime, you could you get access to it anyway. So Amazon Prime is also, you get it linked with your Twitch. So when you watch streams, you get in-game drops. So like items in-game from watching people play that game. That's a bit confusing, that statement, but that's where the, the revenue will be coming from. Mm. And mostly, again, more revenue coming from people watching. Um, they think they'll be able to get over a billion unique viewers of people watching different platforms and things like that. So what I'm taking from this is that the big tech companies are making a big play in this space. Xbox is owned by Microsoft. Google is doing Stadia. Amazon owns Twitch and is doing Amazon Gaming. And so it feels like a lot of the, I guess, like distribution of games and access to online is being sucked into these big companies on the flip side all i'm thinking is like eb games and like those gaming retailers like they (laughs) they must be in a a world of hurt at the moment yeah i i haven't looked into eb games it's kind of hard to find australian sources about this but gamestop 
in the US is pretty much your equivalent. And they've been experiencing some pretty terrible results recently just because of all this. It's pretty hard to, to find all that information. And I don't know their exact numbers, but they've been declining on the back of people going online and grabbing it off the internet because it's so much easier. Mm. You'd rather download it from the comfort of your home than go out and buy it. Well, speaking of companies, let's dig into the, the juicy parts. But before we do, we will take an ad break to hear from our sponsors and then get stuck into it. Nice. Okay, Ollie. So it is time to jump into, as I said, the juicy part of the conversation, which is exploring. If you are interested in this industry, how can you get involved as an investor? And uh, before the ad break there, Alec mentioned a number of the big tech players are obviously in this space. You've got your Microsoft, Amazon, Google, but there are a number of other big players that also are active in this space. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on some of the major companies that are investable and um, perhaps any sort of headline stats that you're finding interesting? One of the biggest companies is Tencent. Tencent's the Hong Kong-based tech company. I recall Christopher Joy talking quite heavily in depth about China and about that company in particular. Hmm. They're massive. They're just massive. And they dwarf pretty much everyone else in this space. So some of the other big players are Sony, Apple, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Activision. But in 2017, Tencent made $18.1 billion off video game revenue compared to Sony, who was in number two at $10.5 billion. So there's quite a significant difference between yeah. number one and number two. Yeah. And it just seems like Tencent just dominates this whole area. And they just do it by owning subsidiaries in pretty much everything that's popular. So they've got 100% ownership of Riot Games. So they have games such as League of Legends, which has been a popular title for ages. And it's, you know... It's World Series, which is its online eSport, topped 4 million active viewers for the final game, and that's excluding Chinese viewers. When you include the Chinese platforms, it peaked at 44 million. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, and that was in that was 2019. I think 2020 had a bit of a, a dip on that, but that's just insane how many people are actually watching these video games, and that's Tencent is making absolute bank off that and so would twitch actually because everyone's like all these people watching on twitch as well mm. and that's because league of legends has a base player base in 2014 of 67 million players monthly which is now in 2000 or was in 2019 up to 80 million monthly players Jeez. so that's people Jeez. that are logging in and playing that's just mind-blowing and it that's is. all 10 cent wow. who also owns 40 percent in epic games so Fortnite and the unreal game engine anyone that's done anything to do with building games you know that unreal is a pretty big game building platform they've got 84 percent in a company called supercell which makes clash of clans 80 percent in grinding gear games which does path of exile five percent in activision and blizzard so that's call of duty and world of warcraft and overwatch and starcraft and hearthstone and then 1.5 percent in blue hole which is PUBG or player unknowns battlegrounds and they also made the mobile version of that game which is one of the top mobile games i think if i recall correctly it's in the top 10 at least but yeah they've also got capital they haven't disclosed how much in reddit so, oh yeah wow. true got there you go in every pie apparently reddit's gonna ipo in 2021 or 2022 so maybe we'll be able to find out how much 10 cent owns so it seems pretty clear that uh, obviously Tencent is the major player in the actual gaming space. But to use Ren's analogy of if you don't want to invest in the gold mine, you buy the picks and shovels. <laughs> close, close. People made more money in a gold rush selling picks and shovels than mining for gold. There we go. What other companies could you invest in that sort of touch on the gaming industry? Just so people can help conceptualize the ecosystem. Maybe, Ollie, if you can talk about it through like the different categories. So, uh, you know, we've, we've touched on game makers. There are console makers. There are people that distribute games, then people that, you know, provide access to watching them. So maybe if we go category by category and you kind of give us an overview of the ecosystem, the different elements in it, and then some of the companies in each of those. Yeah, sure. So Microsoft does Xbox. So the Xbox consoles itself, which has a release, the newest one is Series X, and it's meant to release in November this year. You can either invest in Microsoft or you can go one step back now and you can go into the chip makers. So these are the people that make the microchips that go inside of these consoles. A lot of that's internally done, but AMD makes the CPU and the, um, the graphics units for pretty much all of these. They do 
both Microsoft and Sony. Sony does the PlayStations. So if you want to get into the chip makers, so the people that really make these consoles work, then you can buy into AMD, which is Advanced Micro Devices. That's traded on the US Stock Exchange. I think it's NASDAQ. I don't know which one it is. It's either New York or NASDAQ. And then people that are playing video games on personal computers build some pretty exceptional rigs. Yeah, um, it's they crazy build. some of the stuff so, they do. Yeah, it's wild. They've got they spend a lot of money. They make it's light up. It's all colorful. It's yeah. a bit, you know, it's like how you going? It's there. Um, <laughs> how you going? <laughs> and <laughs> it's so Nvidia does the GPUs, so the graphics unit uh, processing cards on those, and they've they actually snuck in their newest cards recently to sort of be just before the console releases to sort of grab some market share off the consoles and they've released these cards that are two times better than the previous cards on a spec basis they just operate much better than what the old cards used to so the chip makers are a really important part of that otherwise into live streaming and if you want to get into the live streaming side of it unfortunately you can't really go any deeper than the actual platforms themselves you can't really invest unless you're a very wealthy individual into the actual person or the main asset being the streamer but you can get into amazon and google if you want to get access to the platforms themselves, so Twitch and, and YouTube. Other than that, though, you're pretty much stuck because Amazon's got a, a lot of other revenue sources and so does Google, so you, you don't really have much choice in being able to get exposed to that. That's awesome. If we just summarize the different companies and the different parts of the ecosystem, so you can invest in the components that go into these, you know, that make gaming possible, and the main one that you talked about there was microchips, so that's AMD and NVIDIA. Then the, the consoles themselves, So and the main two consoles are Xbox, which is owned by Microsoft, and then PlayStation, which is owned by Sony. I guess you could also, you know, if mobile gaming is the biggest part of the industry, you could also look at, you know, the makers of mobile phones and the makers of PCs for PC gaming. So that's probably the second part of the ecosystem. Then there's the games makers themselves, and so that's Tencent you mentioned, Activision Blizzard is traded on the NASDAQ, Electronic Arts, which does EA Games, is probably the other big one. I'm sure there's heaps more that I'm not listing. Then uh, we touched on distribution of gaming before, and that's, you know, GameStop and EB Games are no longer the key distributors, but instead it looks like it's going to be Google with their Stadia product and Microsoft with their Game Pass product. Steam? That is that Steam, still a thing? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Who, Steam do, is massive. Do you know who owns that? Yeah, so Valve is it's a privately held by a, a man called Gabe Newell. He's actually a pretty big meme, I guess, in in the gaming <laughs> industry. Like you hear him being joked about quite heavily. But I'm sure he's a, an extremely wealthy individual. And so Valve owns would love Steam. to be him. Yeah, so Valve owns yeah. Steam and, and this guy. He might be a meme, but I'm sure he's doing very well for himself. So he probably gets the last laugh in that one. (laughs) And so then if I just finish my summary, so that's the main distribution. And then the last part of it is how people watch other gamers. And then, then, as you said, the main two are Twitch, which is owned by Amazon and YouTube, which is owned by Google. So, I mean, for me, it's really the big tech players seem to be you know, the, the biggest players in this industry. But, you know, as you were saying earlier, Ollie, it's like if you want to invest in the gaming components of these big tech companies, you can't separate them from, mm. you know, the search engine business of Google or the retail business of Amazon or something like that. One subsector that is not mentioned here is the caffeine industry, Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine gets pumped in the gaming probably, industry. Probably, <laughs> They do. I think actually Red Bull sponsors a lot of the Counter-Strike games oh yeah uh, a lot of the counter-strike tournaments so you see the players walking off and being able to get some free red bull on their way out or um you know repping the red bull brand across their shirt so red bulls already tried to weave their their little mitts into this one as well <laughs> so Ollie, to close to close this convo out and it, it has been an awesome sort of deep dive we've spoken about the individual companies that you can invest in but again if you're at the start of your investing journey and uh, you don't want to have to go out and choose between Tencent and Apple and you know Microsoft and Sony whatever it may be I'm sure there are a number of ETFs that are out there and available to get exposure to a number of these companies and you spoke about at the start of the show ESPO ESPO which is listed on the Australian Stock Exchange I think it's the only one that is listed here in Australia that will give you access I know there are a number overseas Do you just want to give us a sort of quick debrief on some of the main ETFs that are available and the exposure that you can get 
Yeah, sure. So on the ASX, they've got ESPO, and it's also traded on the NASDAQ under the exact same ticker, and it's the exact same thing except US, and it's been trading for a bit longer. One thing I noticed is that when I was in the Facebook page, I saw a lot of people asking why Microsoft and Apple aren't in any of these ETFs if they make up such a large portion of the industry. And the thing is just because they have, you can't really separate their, as we were saying before, you can't separate their gaming mm. sector income from their other income. So you're, if you put them in the ETF, you would inadvertently be tracking something else. Mm. It mm. wouldn't be your pure play ETF about gaming. So that was just something I just thought about when I saw some questions on the, the Facebook page. But the first one there is the ASX ESPO. So that one, their target is to invest in the, into the largest and most liquid companies involved in video game development and esports and related hardware and software globally. They've got a pretty low management fee of 0.55%. And that's actually pretty much on par with everyone else. It's the highest, but the next, like everyone else is 0.5. So you know, it's not too much. They've only got 25 holdings, so it's quite small. And they only came in and quite recently, so they haven't actually got much data on their returns. But they've got um, net assets of about 16 million, and they're benchmarked against uh, the MVIS Global Video Gaming and Esports Index. Nice. That index is crazy. It's up 496% since inception in January of 2014. Jeez. Wow! Like that's that's yeah, great growth. Up, yeah, I know, one hundred eighteen percent in three years. Like, wow! Talk about abnormal growth. So, Oli, that is the Aussie one, the ASX ESPO. Are there any overseas ETFs available that uh, give access to this industry? Yeah. So on the Nasdaq, there is the complete same one, the same except it has a lower management fee of 05 percent per annum, the exact same number of holdings. It's had a year-to-date return of sixty-two and a half percent. And it's just got a, it's a lot bigger. It's 520 million in assets, but it's pretty much identical between the Australian version. Otherwise, you've got Global X's traded on the NASDAQ called the Hero, and it seeks to invest in companies that develop or publish video games as well. But it also talks about facilitate the streaming and distribution of video game and esports content within competitive esports leagues or produce hardware used in uh, video games, esports, including augmented reality and virtual reality. That one's got a management fee of half a percent, but it's got 40 holdings, so it's a bit larger, a bit better return, 65.7%, but that's pretty much the same. But it's only got $350 million in assets. Interesting, though, that ETF doesn't hold Tencent or AMD at all, and it's mm. pretty silent as to why. I would just be – I'm kind of confused. I couldn't figure out why, but apparently they don't hold Tencent, which is the biggest company, mm. which is yeah. strange. <laughs> that is strange. Slight oversight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Roundhill Investments also has one spread on the uh, New York Stock Exchange, and it's got the ticker NERD, which is <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it does the same thing. It just offers retail and institutional investors exposure to esports and digital entertainment, closely corresponding to their index called the NERD Index. So they've got a management fee of half a percent as well, only 32 holdings, but they've had a year-to-date return of 50% and $350 million in assets. There's $0.10 cent in this one. But no uh, chip makers, so no NVIDIA or AMD, which again, I find a bit strange because they talk about providing some exposure to esports and to digital entertainment, which has to be made on those chips. But, you know, it just seems like everyone has a different definition of what yeah. involves yeah. gaming. Yeah. So I think that that's a really important point when we're talking about ETFs that nominally track the same industry that there are always going to be a few slight differences and it's important that people jump onto the relevant websites and look at the holdings because if Tencent is going to be the biggest driver of you know new games and all that stuff and then you think you've got exposure to them through your ATF it would be very disappointing for you to find out that you've chosen one that doesn't have it so Mm. it's an important reminder for us and for everyone listening to jump online and actually see what the holdings are in the ATF and make sure you're finding one that has what you want in it. So, Ollie, that brings us to the end of our deep dive into the video game industry. Massive thank you. I think it was an awesome job. I thoroughly enjoyed that, learned a whole heap of stuff that I didn't know about the gaming industry. It was very clear to understand and has given some really, I guess, clear next steps or companies and ETFs if you want to get involved in in that sort of industry to go and have a, a bit of further research and think about how they might play a part in your portfolio. So massive thank you, as I said, and look, Hopefully it encourages others to come in and and do the same, share their sort of passion. But um, big thank you. 
I've got a question for you without notice. As you know, well, as you may know, we're doing an equity mates hypothetical portfolio and we always like to crowdsource ideas for the watch list. So of all the companies that you looked at as part of this deep dive, if you were just going to add one to the watch list, now this isn't a, you know, buy recommendation or anything like that, but just one that we should be watching, what would the one company be? If you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have said the chip makers. But they've gone on an absolute tear and they're worth a fortune. You're not going to let me put an ETF in there, are you? You're oh, you can, you, do whatever you, can, you can put an ETF in there for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I would firstly recommend the ASX one. Well, not recommend because that would get me in some legal trouble. But I would, um, <laughs> no, the no ASX nothing ESPR. as part of this hypothetical portfolio is ever a recommendation. It's <laughs> yeah. all just a learning experience. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So the ESPO ETF would be that otherwise 10 cents if you're feeling a bit a bit risky but yeah let's go with the etf um, espo and if people want to hear more about 10 cent our second interview with chris weldon the magellan portfolio manager he brought us three stocks that he was watching or were in his portfolio and one of them was 10 cent so if people are interested in the video game industry now and, and want to you know, keep listening to more content around some of these companies, that second interview we did with Chris Weldon would be a good one to jump on and listen to. Awesome. Well, uh, Ollie, if, if you don't mind, we would like to include uh, your notes on the website so that people can get a bit, little bit more information, if not all good, but we can take that offline. So a massive thank you again. Can't thank you enough for being the first of our community to come on and do one of the deep dives. And if you are out there and would like to do one as well in any topic, whatever it may be, please hit us up at our email, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Contact at equitymates.com is our email. And uh, we can arrange to get you on the show to do exactly what Ollie just did. But Ollie, huge respect and thank you. Yeah, big thank you. Cheers. Thanks so much, guys. It was an absolute pleasure to be able to share this. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.